You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everyone, to a special Sunday morning episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for podcast discussion of all things Houston Rockets basketball. I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent for Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship. We're chatting early this Sunday morning because, well, it's been a very busy prior 12 hours in the NBA, and especially for the Houston Rockets. That's because free agency began late Saturday night, 11 p.m. Houston time, That's July 1st, midnight on the East Coast. And as expected, a lot of big deals right out at the gate, but most notably, some directly impacting the Rockets. The good ones, Chris Paul, Gerald Green, each reaching agreements. They can't make them official. No one can until the moratorium ends on July 6th. But reaching agreements to return Chris Paul, the max for four years. That's a four-year, $160 million contract, reaching a bit of a compromise, not taking the full five years, which would pay him until age 38. So I think that helps the Rockets a little bit on the back end and Gerald Green returning for the minimum. But what what I'm going to leave this show with is the slightly more surprising news. Trevor Ariza not coming back a one-year $15 million deal with the Phoenix Suns. When Chris Paul announced right at the stroke of midnight Eastern time that he was coming back and when deals are announced that soon, Obviously, they were discussed before free agency. I know they're not supposed to be, but we all know that's a dog and pony show. These things were discussed in the days and even weeks leading up to July 1st. But Chris, in his social media update, letting everyone know that he was back, all caps, unfinished business, run it back. And that sounds great. The Rockets won 65 games this past year, had a 3-2 lead on the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and seemed poised to beat them and win their first NBA title in over 20 years until... CP3's untimely hamstring injury at the very end of Game 5. Well, when you think run it back, you can envision most of the team's pillars, certainly their starting lineup, coming back. We learned, though, less than an hour later that that was not going to be the case because Trevor Ariza, starting small forward not just this past year, but the last four years in Houston, taking that deal with the Phoenix Suns. So I'm going to leave with some Ariza talk because Chris Paul Resigning, that's a big deal, but that's somewhat expected. We know Chris, he's a foundation piece of the team, had a great year in Houston, comfortable with the franchise, with the bonds in the locker room. It's a great deal, and it's the most impactful thing the Rockets are going to do this entire offseason, but it was somewhat expected. We had baked it into our expectations. Trevor Ariza leaving, we knew it could get a little bit hairy because even though the Rockets had Ariza's bird rights, it's not like Tillman Fertitta is made of money. So it's not like they could just pay in the max, even though they're going to be a capped out team for the foreseeable future, because at some point the luxury taxes would become prohibitive. They had to draw a line somewhere. That said, for Ariza to sign not just with another team, but within the first hour of free agency tells you that this was something that was a few days, if not more, in the making. So while it is a loss for the Rockets, I don't necessarily buy into the national narratives that you're seeing early this Sunday morning of, well, the Rockets just lost a starter and they don't really have financial avenues to replace the production. Because 
with Trevor, let's look at both the good and the bad. So during the playoffs, he was a very, very good defender. He was fabulous on Kevin Durant, but his three-point stroke fell to just 28%. And of course, it was punctuated by the 0 for 12 in game seven, which the Rockets lost at home. Biggest factor was no Chris Paul, but Trevor Ariza going 0 of 12 from the field, that certainly did not help. During the regular season, his three-point stroke actually picked up from just over 34% a year ago to almost 37%, which is slightly above league average, but his defense fell off. And that's something to be expected of the guy who was 32 last year and actually turned 33 yesterday. So I think the bigger conclusion is that Trevor Reese is at a point in his career where if you're going to play him 30 plus minutes per game, he may not be able to be elite as a three and D guy. He can still be passable at both, but I think if you want to fully optimize his efficiency in terms of his defensive intensity and his shooting, you probably need to play him a little bit less. So I think the Rockets were kind of, I don't want to say bracing for his departure, but I think that even if they were able to get him back on a deal that was reasonable, I think they would have looked to have limited his minutes anyway. So it's not like they're truly trying to replace, in my opinion, 30, 35 minutes of production. Now, granted, his versatility is very, very important. Even though his defense slipped some in the regular season, he did pick it up in the playoffs. But again, I think that his defensive improvement in the playoffs might have come at the expense of his three-point shooting because of the extra energy he he exerted on the defensive end. But even defense being good but not as great as it was in his prime, his versatility has a ton of value. Ariza can guard guys all the way from the power forward spot to point guards. And for the Rockets' defensive scheme led by Mike D'Antoni and Jeff Bezdelic that switches on everything, that kind of versatility is critical. That even guys up front like Trevor Ariza and Clint Capella, that they can pick up guards on switches. It also helps you mitigate the deficiencies of James Harden, who we know is not the quickest in terms of his lateral movement, but can be a stalwart in the post defensively, very strong. Well, the ways you kind of play up his strengths and hide his weaknesses are guys like Ariza who are flexible enough to pick up guys of different positions elsewhere on the court. So even if his defense has slipped a little bit, and I believe it has, at the same time, the versatility in and of itself has a lot of value. That said, while I think the Rockets preferred to re-sign him, I don't think they were caught off guard. I do think there is a plan. And in my opinion, the reaction, the negativity surrounding his departure, I've seen some saying that's a huge win for Golden State, are kind of missing the boat. Because the timing of this A player who signs in the first hour of free agency, folks, they didn't just magically decide that in 30 minutes. Because, of course, it's not just the fit. It's also talking about where they want to live with their families, which that's a huge deal to Trevor. I would bet that's been in discussions for weeks. And Trevor, with his tight bonds in the Rockets organization, very close with Gerald Morey and Tad Brown, very close on the court with Chris Paul and James Harden, the team's leaders, I highly doubt the Rockets were caught flat-footed, especially because there have been some reports. Kelly Eco has mentioned a couple of times, USA Today reporter here in Houston, and Kelly does a great job on the grind. He has relationships within the team pointing out that the Rockets were potentially open to losing Ariza. At one point, mentioned that he was even looking for a 50 or $60 million deal, which ultimately he wasn't able to land that. But I think it proved that Ariza did have eyes on one last payday at 33 years old. And for a Rockets team that's in luxury tax territory with the re-signing of Chris Paul, and we anticipate the re-signing of Clint Capella, the Rockets are poised to meet with him Sunday in LA, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. At some point, 
if you just give everyone unlimited money, and they did have a raises bird rights, the luxury taxes could become prohibitive to using all of your salary cap tools, your exceptions in future years to continue building. And I think that's probably the point at which we got to with Ariza. And so it's a bit of a shock to us as Rockets fans, the community on Twitter or wherever you consume your news because we didn't necessarily anticipate it, but I don't think it caught the Rockets off guard. And I do think there's a plan. Yes, they do want to get younger. I think the getting the extra second round draft pick for Purdue forward Vince Edwards, getting Cincinnati forward Gary Clark as a rookie undrafted, those can help. And maybe you get lucky the same way they almost did with Robert Covington before the Sixers really reaped the rewards of that after Covington left Houston. I think that would be ideal, but I don't think the Rockets are banking on an untested, unproven young rookie to all of a sudden play major minutes on a team that, as evidenced by the huge salaries to Chris Paul and James Harden is all about winning the title in 2019. I also don't think that Luke Baamute, even though I do think they want to re-sign him, it's very important they bring back Baamute because if you can bring back Baamute's defensive credibility, then I think it gives you more flexibility with how you can replace Trevor Reza. By that, I mean, even if you go a little bit more offense-minded, because that happens to be the best fit for the money or the trades uh, assets that the Rockets have available, well, then if you have uh, Mute's defense off the bench, then you can still sort of mix and match. And if there's a matchup where you need more defensive presence, you can throw in Mute. But I don't think that you're just going to pencil in Mute, a guy who has injury concerns, having dislocated the same shoulder twice, and for a lot of reasons, played its way out of the rotation, part injury, part mental in the playoffs. I don't think you're just going to pencil in Mute if you re-sign him into Trevor Ariza's starting small forward gig and just say, here's a guy who's going to play 35 minutes a night. I don't think that's going to happen, especially because with Bob Mute and P.J. Tucker, that's a lot of offensive limitations right next to each other. And my guess is that you have Bob Mute still coming off the bench, assuming the Rockets are able to keep him, no deal yet. And so you can sort of mix and match based on the opponent and whatever skills they bring to the table. But as far as replacing Ariza, I don't think the Rockets were caught off guard because of the Again, open lines of communication that Ariza has with everyone and the deal being consummated within the first hour of free agency. I think the Rockets were very aware that this was coming. We weren't, but they were. And I think that means they have a plan because ultimately what Ariza was paid, it's not that unreasonable. The $15 million, a one-year deal, that's not even as outlandish as J.J. Reddick getting the one-year $23 million deal this time a year ago with the Sixers. As far as the $15 million goes, it's a one-year commitment. So in terms of repeat or luxury taxes, it's not really a factor there. You're going to be paying the luxury tax this year anyway, so it's not like it's going to make the difference two or three years down the road. And it's not like Tillman Fertitta is particularly cheap, at least to this point. He just paid 10% of that, that's not insignificant, to acquire a late second-round draft pick a week or so ago to get Vince Edwards, a guy who very easily could have gone undrafted and the Rockets landed him there. That's 10% of the $15 million. Brian Anderson... This is a guy who's making $20 million that right now is not even projected to be in your rotation. You could dump him if you were to attach a couple of future first-round picks. And for a team that has eyes on winning a title in 2019, I absolutely think if it was a matter of Fertitta just running out of funds, that the Rockets would have moved Ryan for either nothing into cap space or for slightly smaller contracts if that was the difference in either retaining Trevor Ariza 
or just turning over his spot to Luke Bamute or a bunch of unproven rookies that were drafted either late in round two or not drafted at all. I don't think that's the scenario. I think that going younger is important, and I think the Rockets are going to put a lot of priority on developing those younger guys. But in terms of this next season, the $15 million that Ariza got, while it's an overpay, it's not that outlandish, especially for a guy who was very valuable to the Rockets this past year. So, yes, you could argue, I guess, that, oh, Tillman's just going cheap, but I don't really buy that based on the other context clues, including paying Chris Paul a deal $40 million a year that's going to take him into his late 30s. My guess, what's a lot more reasonable, is that the Rockets have a more cost-efficient way to get comparable production at that spot. So money is a part of the equation, but it is not the entire equation. So there's lots of different ways the Rockets could go. They do have the taxpayer MLE, so you could look at guys like an Avery Bradley, a Tyreek Evans. I know those are not necessarily small forwards, but in Mike D'Antoni's system, you basically have point guards, 3 and D guys, and rim runners. And as I mentioned, you bring back Bamute, then maybe you don't have to have a carbon copy of Ariza in terms of his profile of defensive versatility. Maybe you can go more offensive-minded. Didn't even mention Carmelo Anthony because he's not a free agent yet, but after the Thunder re-signed Paul George, seems pretty probable that Carmelo is going to get either bought out or waived and stretched, so he would be available. Now, he would be going to the other extreme in terms of not much defense, could potentially be, if, it, if the fit is right, a very good offensive player, but maybe you can take that if you have Bamute off the bench and you can mix and match based on who you're playing and what the needs are. Those are some free agency possibilities. You could also go the trade route. We've mentioned for a few weeks that Ryan Anderson, perhaps you can move him for contracts that are similarly big, but maybe a better fit. Kent Bazemore in Atlanta shot a career best 39.4% from three last year, makes over $18 million a year, and almost signed with the Rockets in July of 2016. The Hawks are going nowhere. Maybe they accept Ryan Anderson and a pick for Bazemore, and then you plug in Bazemore into your small forward spot. Or a couple other guys on the market uh, at those wing spots, sort of 3 and D, would be Courtney Lee out of New York. Wilson Chandler out of Denver. Those are a couple of trade names that were mentioned by David Aldridge of ESPN.com early Saturday. There's a lot of possibilities, and it could come be a trade by moving Ryan Anderson for some contracts that are also overpaid but a slightly better fit, maybe throwing in a pick to make it work. It could come via free agency using that taxpayer MLE. But my strong suspicion is that either way, there is a plan for the Rockets to bring in a veteran that can be an instant impact guy and give you comparable production to what Ariza gave you a year ago. That doesn't mean that it has to be the same type of player. I mentioned Carmelo. You could also look more offensive players like Tyreek Evans, J.J. Redick, maybe somebody like that falls through the cracks because there's not much of a middle class in this NBA free agency. Ariza got one of the only potential deals there. You generally have your star level players, your LeBron James, Paul George, Chris Paul, that tier, and then with not a lot of teams having cap room, and the few teams that do are more interested in taking bad deals to get future draft considerations than they are just overpaying veterans. That's what makes the Ariza at 33 years old going to Phoenix such a weird fit. I don't know that it makes sense for Phoenix. Best case scenario, they're fighting for the eight spot, but that's probably uh, too optimistic. And for Ariza, playing out his remaining prime years on a team that can't contend, just a weird fit all the way around. Who knows if things go wrong? Maybe he gets bought out later in the year or traded at the deadline. Maybe even Houston's a contender if they need him. We'll have to wait and see. But 
for now, a very odd fit, but he's clearly the exception to the rule. Most of these teams with cap room, there's not that many teams to begin with, and they're not going to spend it. So it's very possible you could have some very quality free agents start to slip through the cracks. And even if it's not a carbon copy of Trevor Ariza, even if it might be more, say, offensive-minded, then if you can bring back Bahamute, you can sort of mix and match and still have somewhat of a defensive presence, depending on who you're going to play. So all in all, my closing thoughts on Ariza before we move on to happier news. I do think it's a loss. In the playoffs, he was a great defensive player. In the regular season, he was both a good defensive player and a pretty good three-point shooter. And his veteran influence, his IQ, all of those things are very important. He's been a quality player for four years, very durable, very versatile, great in the community, great in the locker room. Yeah, I know he shot 0 of 12 in game seven. It's one game. By and large, Trevor Reza has been a great rocket. I wish him well, fun to cover loved in the locker room around the entire franchise but it's because of all those things and the fact that really it's just a one-year 15 million dollar deal it's a little overpaid but nothing extreme and there's no long-term consequences in terms of repeater taxes luxury taxes that is that i don't really see a scenario where the rockets after paying chris paul the deal they did just said oh we're going to run it back but we're just going to let ariza go and replace him with undrafted rookies and more Luke Bamute who fell out of the rotation in the playoffs. No, I think there's a plan to replace his production either via free agency or trades. We just don't know it yet and we need to be patient. Just as we didn't know about Ariza and the Phoenix thing, even though it was probably in the works for some time, my guess is that Daryl Morey also has eyes on someone else that could step in and be an instant impact guy, a veteran at that small forward spot. We just have to be patient in the days ahead and see what that's going to be. But I'm confident that, no, the Rockets did not just take a step back last night because Tillman Fertitta decided to be cheap. No, I think there's an alternative. We just need to be patient. And as the next few days unfold before guys can actually sign on July 6th, my guess is we get more clarity on who or what that is at the small forward spot. Now, happier news. Let's turn our attention to the guys who did re-sign to come back to Houston. That's Chris Paul and Gerald Green. Chris Paul, four years, $160 million. That's the max, but not the full max in years. That would have been five, taking him to age 38. So the Rockets did get a bit of a compromise there. And Gerald Green, one year at the minimum. We'll start with Chris Paul because that's the headliner. Folks, Chris Paul, when he's right, is a top 10 player in the league. We saw it in the closeout game five against Utah. We saw it in Game 4 and Game 5 against the Warriors, which would have gone either direction. And even on a court in which the Warriors had two former MVPs in Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and the Rockets had the current MVP in James Harden, there were moments in which Chris Paul was the best player on the basketball floor, even at 33 years old. He is still that impactful. Yes, you need to manage his minutes during the season, and maybe even in the early rounds of the playoffs as best you can to limit the potential for soft tissue injuries, such as the hamstring strain that ultimately cost him Game 6 and Game 7 against the Warriors and probably cost the Rockets the series. But other than that, when he's right, he is still a top 10 player in the league, and thus I have no qualms at all about paying him that contract. Chris Paul and James Harden, that foundation, won 65 games, best record in the NBA by far, then had an 800 winning clip in the first two rounds of the playoffs. It actually went up three games to two when both those guys were out there against the Warriors. So it makes all the sense in the world to keep that foundation together. Could not be happier for Chris that he gets his deal. And for the Rockets, they held up their end of the bargain as well. I'm sure when Chris did his opt-in and trade last June, there was a wink-wink situation in which the Rockets made it clear that they were going to take care of him, and they did. And when you consider Chris's stature around the league, 
head of the players union so he's got a lot of contacts that way but also one of the two or three best point guards in the history of the nba certain hall of famer even if he retired tomorrow chris is a top 10 player but he's even higher than that i'd say at least top five maybe even top three in terms of an influencer around the league we saw him bring in pj tucker luke Bamute last offseason and part of the reason the rockets wrapped it up so quickly with chris again in the first minute of free agency is because by getting the deal with chris done early now you can use him in the boardroom to help you make your pitch to other free agents not everyone wants to do that we know james is out in china and you can't hold it against him james going on a bit of an mvp tour most nba players aren't that interested in the nitty-gritty of these presentations in free agency chris is a rare breed with all the leadership he shows you on the floor he does it off as well so having chris in the boardroom along with gm daryl morey ceo tad brown the rockets usual team that's really really helpful that's why the rockets wanted to take care of him early and also by taking care of him it sends a message around the league that even with the ownership change of les alexander to tillman fertita the rockets are an organization they stand by their word you can trust them and so getting that deal done with chris paul it goes beyond just what chris gives you on the basketball floor which is great enough in and of itself it makes a pretty compelling business case around the league when you have a guy that is in, as impactful on and off the court as Chris Paul that picks your organization not once but twice. He picked the Rockets last offseason, then now becoming a free agent. This summer, he could have gone elsewhere if he wanted. I'm sure LeBron James whispered in his ear a couple of times about joining up with him in L.A. But for Chris to pick Houston again and for the Rockets to stand by him, to pay him the full max, even though the four-year deal will take him until he's 37, it's a great fit for both sides. And the Rockets bring back the foundation of a team that won 65 games. And if not for some bad injury luck and horrendous officiating and outlier of a shooting stretch, 0 for 27, 7 to 44 from 3 in game 7, is probably the defending champions right now. So it's a great deal all the way around. And for those concerned about the money, yes, I'm sure when Chris Paul is getting paid $44 million in his last season, when he'll be 36 and turning 37, it'll probably be somewhat of an overpay. I'm not oblivious to that. That said, the Rockets are over the cap anyway, because with James Harden about to start a new deal that's going to be paying him over $40 million a year after 2020, I presume they'll be bringing back Clint Capella on a deal that its cheapest is probably about $20 million a year and could easily be 25 plus. You're going to be over the cap just between those two guys and a couple of role players. So it's not like you would then be able to allocate those funds for Chris Paul somewhere else. That's not how it works. So if you're going to criticize the money, you need to have a plan with which you could otherwise use it. I don't see that. The Rockets are going to be over the cap anyway. The only person that hurts is Tillman Fertitta and his accountant. So unless you were one of those people, I don't know why it would bother you. It's not like Chris Paul and signing him to this deal is prohibiting your ability to sign someone else down the line because the Rockets are an over-the-cap team anyway. So I'm thrilled the deal got done. I think it makes sense for both sides. I also think there's a good probability that Chris Paul will age more gracefully than a lot of folks think because so much of his game is built around his savvy. We saw how Steve Nash under Mike D'Antoni lasted well into his late 30s. My guess is that Chris Paul is able to do the same, especially with James Harden able to do around and able to do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of ball handling and facilitating. With Chris able to play off the ball more than he could in a lot of other systems, I think that's why he'll last a lot longer than most point guards do, the same way that Steve Nash did in that Mike D'Antoni system. So I'm bullish on his high IQ game translating a few more years. But even if for some reason it doesn't, and we haven't seen much signs of decline to this point, keep in mind this past year he was the number one player in the entire league in a real plus minus, I believe. But even if there is some decline, keep in mind that just like the Ryan Anderson deal, 
by the time that big deal gets to the final year, even if the player declines, the deal could be a positive asset because it's an expiring. That's the one consolation with Ryan Anderson is that even if you can't move him this summer or don't want to because what you could trade him for or the assets you'd have to give up to do it uh, are not very appetizing, then ultimately at some point, that final year is a positive asset for the Rockets because they can use it as basically a cap space ticket for the rest of the league. This time next year, you could see Ryan Anderson's contract being desired because it's potentially a ticket to cap room from a team that's going nowhere but might be able to offload a $20 million salary that just doesn't make sense for their situation. The same might be true even more so for Chris Paul with that final $44 million a year salary a few years from now. Now, personally, I think he plays out the string in Houston, and I think he's able to play well into his late 30s. But even if he doesn't, a huge expiring deal like that, that's potentially very, very lucrative down the line. So even in the worst case scenario, you can basically subtract a year from the length of the contract in terms of the potential negative consequences, because the last year of the contract, both for Ryan Anderson and for Chris Paul, in my opinion, those could become, if not positive, at least level assets, not negative, just because of the potential for uh, teams around the league to see them as cap savings. So you're really talking about, in terms of potential negative consequences, a three-year deal, and that would be Chris Paul's age 33, age 34, and age 35 seasons. Personally, I have not seen much signs of slippage at all, unless he has a very unfortunate injury. I think Chris is going to be very good for the contract, and as I said, a really good fit for both sides, and I expect it to last well into his 30s, might even have another contract beyond this one if he ages the same way that Steve Nash did. Now, the other deal, less sexy but important, Gerald Green back. And it's not that Gerald Green didn't have other interests. We heard that Minnesota wanted to speak with him, but Gerald wrapped up a deal for the minimum very, very quickly with the Rockets. It's big because Gerald's signing for the minimum. Any guy you can get for cheap is big when you're going to be in luxury tax territory, which the Rockets are. We know what he can bring in terms of his athleticism, his shooting, his mayor of Houston qualities, beloved in the community. All those things are great. But what makes Gerald so important for the Rockets is that he's a guy you can stash in your ninth, 10th, 11th spot on the bench, but won't complain. And that is so tough to do in this NBA because most guys that are, that are accomplished veterans, and for a team that wants to win a title like the Rockets do, there's a lot of value in having veteran presences, but those guys typically make a fuss if they're at the end of the bench and not playing because they think that they've proven a lot and they want to contribute. We have seen from Gerald over the past few months in Houston, he's gone from playing 30 plus minutes a night to getting DNP CDs, do not play, did not play coaches' decisions. And he has not said a word. His attitude has been great. When he gets his opportunity to play, he's ready to go. But if he doesn't, he's perfect in the locker room. So as beloved as he is in the community, he's even more so in that Houston locker room. Believe me on that. And when you're talking about filling out the end of the bench spots, that's what you want. You don't want to just have only young players there. You want to have veterans that you can trust. The difficulty is that a lot of veterans, if they're not in your rotation, it's not going to be pretty in terms of the off-court impacts, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, Gerald, whatever you want to call it, there's just a certain selflessness, humility, lack of ego to him that just makes it a great fit. Now, hopefully the Rockets bring in more depth to where maybe he's the ninth, 10th man on the bench rather than the seventh or eighth, so that if there are injuries like what happened against the Warriors with Chris Paul and Luke Bamute, you're not having to instantly make Gerald your sixth man and play 30 plus minutes per game. I don't think they want that. But if you can, instead of having him at seven or eight, in terms of your kind of trust rating, have him at nine, 10, 11, then he's pretty ideal because between his shooting and athleticism 
Yes, he can still make a difference in a pinch, especially over 82 games if the Rockets need to give maintenance to guys like Chris Paul and James Harden. But if he's not playing, and that includes in the playoffs, he's willing to sit there and be ready when his number is called without having any sort of uh, chemistry risk from him being unhappy with inconsistent minutes. So it's a little signing. It's not a big one, but I think it's one that, in the grand scheme, it makes the Rockets sleep a lot easier at night because having a, a guy like Gerald at the end of your bench can go a long way toward mitigating some of the uh, injury issues that we saw crop up from time to time last season. Now to close out the podcast, let's discuss a few moves elsewhere in the association. Still no real movement on the LeBron James front, but until proven otherwise, I'm assuming he's going to the Lakers. We've heard Denver possibly being aggressive on him, but I think there's just been too many signs that for LeBron, it's at least partially a lifestyle decision about his family and he wants LA. But no real signs there yet. Uh, aside from LeBron, Paul George staying with the Thunder, as had been rumored for some time. And the interesting thing to me about those moves is that it seems to cap both the Lakers and the Thunder in that good but not great tier. Lakers also have yet to strike a deal with the Spurs for Kawhi Leonard. It seems like the Spurs are not really close to moving on from Kawhi anytime soon. Now, I will concede that the Western Conference is deeper. Dallas citing DeAndre Jordan, assuming he doesn't back out again. He did a few years ago, and until the moratorium ends on July 6th, none of these deals are things that can't be undone. Even Trevor Ariza could theoretically back out if the Rockets came with a higher offer, but I don't think he's going to do that. I think Trevor's a pretty principled guy. If you want Trevor back in Houston, I think the better shot, maybe if the Suns are a bad team, maybe he ends up getting bought out in February or March or even a trade ship at the deadline and the Rockets could look at reacquiring him at that time. But while I think the Western Conference as a whole is getting better, I mentioned Dallas and Phoenix making aggressive moves, we know what the Thunder keeping Paul George, the Lakers presumably adding LeBron, maybe even adding Boogie Cousins as well. Denver's paying a lot to keep their team together, which didn't even make the playoffs, but keeping Jokic and all, and Barton and the core of that team together that has a lot of young upside pieces. The Western Conference is going to be tough, but it's not just going to impact the Rockets. It's equal across all the teams in that league. So if you're the Rockets, well, it's a little bit of a pain that teams at the bottom of the West are getting better. That's not really what you worry about because with scheduling, it should impact everybody pretty much the same way. What you're worried about is a team making a jump into your tier. And the most reasonable way for that to happen was if LeBron James and Paul George, or maybe even LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, were able to team up somewhere and potentially elevate a team like the Lakers or anyone else into that Warriors-Rockets tier. As of now, and again, it's just day one of free agency, things could change, but it doesn't look like any team is going to be able to do that. There was a 16-plus game gap between the Rockets and every other team in the West, aside from the Warriors. And right now, I'm not seeing much in the way of headway to close that gap. Maybe the Thunder in year two of Ross and Paul George, and if they have Andre Robertson healthy a full season, maybe that's able to get them four or five more wins. The Lakers with LeBron, certainly that's going to help them a lot. Best player in the league. When he's focused, maybe the best of all time. But again, that's a team that won 35 games last year. It doesn't appear poised to land any other star besides LeBron, except maybe Bogey Cousins, who is coming off an Achilles tear, a debilitating injury for a big man. And also, it's not like Bogey's ever really won big in the NBA anyway, so it's fair to question exactly how much of an impact piece he is anyway. To me, both the Thunder and Lakers, they're intriguing, especially if the Lakers get LeBron, and right now that's my assumption. But I don't see a case that they can get into that Warriors-Rockets tier. 
in terms of 60 plus wins, 65 in the Rockets case, just better than what an eight points per game differential, all the lofty figures we saw throughout the year. To me, the separation is still there between the Rockets and Warriors and the rest of the Western Conference. They do need to replace Ariza, but as mentioned earlier, I think there's a pathway to do that with another veteran. I just don't think we're aware of that at this particular point in time. Right now, the biggest thing for the Rockets that you want to keep your eyes on, in my opinion, is just making sure that there is that degree of separation. There's no guarantees, but that on paper, again, it's the Rockets and the Warriors and a huge drop-off because that puts you poised at a minimum to get to the Western Conference Finals. And then from there, home court or not, hope you have better luck with health, with shooting, with officiating than you did at the end of this series just a month or so ago. So while the Rockets haven't made any marquee external additions, I know they brought back Chris Paul, but he was already on the roster. It's not like the Rockets have taken a huge step forward. I think what's more important to note is neither has anyone else in the West. So all the separation that's been there really for a year plus between the Rockets and every other team in the West other than the Warriors with the first day of free agency in almost in the books, it still seems to be there right now as I see it, which puts the Rockets in a really good place not only as they approach the season, but also as they recruit and try to lure players with limited resources to the opportunity in Houston as the Rockets look to mostly run it back and get one more shot against the Warriors next season. So with that, I'll wrap up this Sunday morning show. A lot of talk, and it's only been 12 hours, so I'm sure we'll have a lot more in the days, maybe even hours ahead if there's more breaking news. Of course, stay tuned. But if you want the breaking news on Twitter, that's where you'll get it first. Of course, I'm on there at Ben Dubose, my name. The show is on there at Locked on Rockets. Also, email address lockedonrockets at gmail.com. Website address lockedonrockets.com. Facebook account at facebook.com slash lockedonrockets. Always that you'll get breaking news whenever it's ready. You can access our prior content as well. Ask me questions about the team, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better podcast for you, the Rockets fan, you, the businessman, you, the human being. Don't hesitate to reach out. But beyond that, if you're not already subscribing to us, please do. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Megaphone, et cetera, et cetera. Lockdown Podcast Network has shows across the NBA and NFL, so there's a good shot wherever you listen to your media that we're on there. Subscribe to us. That's how you'll get alerts right when there's breaking news, which is probably going to be a lot of in the next few days of free agency. You'll get alerts right when our new episodes are out. And better than that, if you'd be kind enough to leave us a five-star review, that's how we look attractive to potential advertisers and make the business model work here at Locked on Rockets, the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. So for now, I will sign off and enjoy the rest of my weekend. Hopefully you guys will as well. But stay tuned because we'll be talking very soon again right here at Locked on Rockets as free agency continues. Will the Rockets make a deal to replace Trevor Ariza? Will they make a deal to fortify guard depth or the center spot behind Clint Capella? Will they formally get Clint back? They're supposed to meet with him today in Los Angeles. All unanswered questions. I guess as we have lots of movement over the next 24, 48, 72 hours. So if you will stick with us right here at Locked on Rockets, we will have you covered. For now, thanks for listening and enjoy the remainder of your weekend.